this topic is something that uh, I think all of us have dealt with at some point in time. Um, I can tell you with surety that I have very specific experience with forgiveness and I've had to live that and I'm going to kind of share with you um, what happens when you forgive and and what happens when you don't forgive. Uh, So I have a title today. um, It's called Freedom and Forgiveness. Um, And you all can can be seated uh, for the reading of the word because I have a really lengthy portion of scripture that I want to talk about. Um, How many of you, before I read this, can think of a time or a particular situation where you've had to forgive somebody? Okay, pretty much everybody's hands went up. So the, I want to read a parable that, that Jesus had um, delivered, and the parable is found in Matthew 18, uh, and this is verse 23 through 35. Um, it's, like I said, it's a little bit lengthy, but we'll uh, kind of go through it and break it down um, once we finish reading. So uh, it's Matthew 18, 23 through 35. And I'm going to go ahead and start. It says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take an account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence, which is just a fraction of what he owed his master. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then, and he would not. So this is, again, talking about the servant who was forgiven of the large amount of debt and was unwilling to forgive this small issue between him and somebody else. And uh, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison that he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw what was done, They were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that, he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. That's a pretty heavy, a pretty heavy parable. So I want to talk about freedom and forgiveness. And before we get started, I would just like to pray. 
Thank you, Jesus, for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to get into your word. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we can gather together and worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus, I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds and that you would prepare the ground of our heart to receive your word. Let it fall on good soil and spring up fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, what was going on in, in this parable? Jesus had a tendency to um, teach in ways that everybody would understand. He was the best teacher that had ever lived and will ever live. He was amazing. Like just the way that he could take, uh, I mean, he was God in flesh, right? So the way he could take these heavenly principles, these spiritual principles and apply them to real life so that we can understand is absolutely amazing. So there was this... Um, to kind of explain it in layman's terms, I guess. I need layman's terms. Um, so to kind of explain it to myself, there was this guy, uh, he was a servant and he had a master. Every servant has a master. And he owed his master this insane amount of money. 10,000 talents is a crazy amount of money. Um, and he was a servant, right? Like he, it, it wasn't like he was making 10,000 talents a year, you know, like he wasn't making very much money. And uh, the, the ruler, the, his master was going to throw him in prison, sell him, sell his wife, sell his kids, sell everything he had, um, which probably wouldn't have even added up to 10,000 talents, just so that payment could be made. But this servant fell on his face before this ruler and said, please, if you just give me a little bit of time, I will pay you, I promise. And what's amazing is that this king or this ruler, uh, this master had compassion. The Bible says he was moved with compassion on this servant. So it struck a chord in his heart and, and caused the master to forgive the entire debt. Could you imagine somebody owed you, we'll say, I don't know what the, I didn't look up what the conversion rate of talents to US dollars is. But just to kind of give you an idea, could you imagine if somebody owed you $10,000? And you knew that they owed you this money and they probably wouldn't be able to pay you. Could you imagine taking a loss for $10,000? I mean, not in this, don't, you guys are all Christians and wonderful people. You would have forgiven the debt anyways. But can you imagine somebody in their flesh thinking, this guy owes me 10,000, that's a lot of money. I'm not gonna let that go. I mean, again, just in our flesh, right? We're all Christians here. But, um, but the king was moved with compassion. He had a tender heart and he said, okay, you don't have to pay me. And then this same servant who was forgiven this insane debt goes to his brother, somebody who he worked with, a fellow servant, grabbed him around the neck. That's what the Bible says, that he grabbed him around the neck for a hundred pence, a fraction of what he was just forgiven. Grabbed him around the neck. I'm sure he shook him real hard and said, pay me what you owe me. And the guy did the exact same thing, fell down at his feet and said, please, if you just give me some time, I'll pay you, I promise. But this servant that was just forgiven for this huge debt was not willing to forgive somebody else for a minuscule, a minuscule debt. Threw him in prison until he could pay it. Come on now. So then, word gets back to the master. And the master hears that 
This guy, he just forgave for a ton of money. He just forgave and canceled the debt. Is not willing to forgive his own brother. So he goes and grabs the guy. I don't know how he collected him, but he he grabs the guy and says, uh, hey, I heard what you did. You're not willing to forgive. I forgave you so much for so much more, and you're not willing to forgive this little thing? So the Bible says the master turned him over to the tormentors. That's... I don't want to be turned over to the tormentors. (laughs) So the master turns him over to the tormentors until payment could be made. And then Jesus wraps the whole thing up and says, that's exactly what happens in the kingdom of heaven. God has forgiven us this insane debt that we would never be able to pay. We, We inherited a sin debt that we can't ever pay on our own. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, died on the cross to pay for that debt. He canceled the debt, just like the master did with the servant. But if we're not willing to make things right with one another, there's no forgiveness anymore. When we're not willing, if if somebody has wronged you and there's no forgiveness, that's a very dangerous place to be in. And we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, But that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. God forgives us, so we're supposed to forgive others the same way that God forgave us. So, you know what's amazing? I was talking to Tasha about this. Um, You know how the Bible says that uh, to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to become like children, right? It talks talks about becoming like a child, right? Children are just full of faith and love, and it's just amazing. You know, I was over at Tanya and Rob's house, and Tate... um, I was over there, Tate and Cindy. They were, like, jumping off the stairs, and they just knew that I was going to catch them. They didn't have to like, well, Reese might not catch me. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, Tate just runs upstairs and jumps off and I'm like, not even ready, you know, ah, but kids are just so full of faith and love and they're so quick to forgive. Kids are so quick to forgive. I remember, um, just in myself, if I could use a, a personal story, um, I remember there was a time that it had snowed in Mississippi that was amazing for us kids. I was like 10 years old and there was like an inch of snow on the ground and school was canceled. My parents weren't going to work, nothing. So that was like, it, it snowed like one February a year, one day in February a year. And that was always a snow day and we got so mad if it landed on a Saturday. Oh, why couldn't it have been Monday or Friday? Come on now. So it was snowing and... Um, my brother was like six at the time. We're four years apart. Uh, we were outside playing in the snow. We had, you know, we don't sled or anything down there, but we try because there's not enough snow. So we would get like trash can lids and there was a little hill and we would try and go down it. You know, you like run and hit the ground and stop and flip over and you do the scorpion thing and your feet touch the back of your head. You know, like you just can't, you just can't do it, right? But we were trying and uh, I remember I had my best friend since I lived down there, we lived on this lake and he lived right across the lake. It was like a 10 minute walk and we'd walk to each other's house and just play and have fun. Um, and he was over at my house and uh, he was picking on my little brother. Don't pick on my little brother. My little brother's my big brother now. So if somebody was picking on me, he'd come, you know, like he's the beef in the relationship. I'm just the little guy now who hides behind my little brother. But um, he was little at the time and 
he was picking on my little brother. I'm like, come on, Kyle, what are you doing? And he was like pushing his head in the snow and throwing snow in his face. And my little brother's like crying. He's six years old. You know, he's like, ah. Um, and I remember getting so mad. And I'm like, you need to stop right now. Stop. So then I go and tell my mom, right? I'm like running over to my mom. And Kyle's following me. And I'm running. I bang on the door. I'm like, mom, Kyle is throwing snow in my little brother's face. And my mom looks at Kyle. She had a day off. You know, she's probably in a robe or something. Looks at Kyle. And she's like, Why, what are you doing that for? And he's like, you know, just gave some answer. I don't even remember what he said. But I remember. Now, don't think of me differently after this, okay? I remember him saying whatever and smacked me like in the chest and like pushed me and the righteous indignation rose up in my body, specifically my hand. And the next thing I know, didn't even think, next thing I know, my hand rises to meet him in the nose. And bloody nose, whatever. In 10 minutes, we were best friends again playing, you know, having fun. He had like tissue stuck up his nose because he was bleeding, but we were having fun again. And we both, like shortly after that, I was like, oh my Lord, I am so sorry. And my, and my best friend looks at me and he's like, I'm sorry too. I don't want to mess with you again. You know, so, but we both made up. And it, it's just, I guess, just an example that kids are just so quick to forgive, right? Like there was a literal physical altercation that happened, but yet we were willing still to just say, that was wrong, I'm sorry, you know, and he said he's sorry, he apologized to my brother, my brother's, you know, still, like, snot, like, freezing to his face when it's coming down, but, but uh, 10 minutes later, we were having fun, we were enjoying it, you know, we were, we were back to normal, just kids are so quick to forgive, what happened to us, what happened to us, as adults, does our life just get so complex, and, and so, uh, you know, so muddy that, that we can't forgive like that anymore? I know you guys are just, it's easy to forgive, right? For you guys, it's just easy to forgive. For, this message is for me, okay? Um, but I, I really felt strongly, um, and I was sharing this with pastor. I got pastors okay, because I don't like to do anything without that. Um, but I really felt strongly to just kind of share my testimony with forgiveness. Is that Okay. I know I, I told Pastor I like to be objective when I, when I preach, um, and I don't like to use a whole lot of personal stories, but I really feel like, um, like God really has given me this. Is that okay? Okay. So um, to start off with, I have, uh, until recently, haven't had the best relationship with my dad. Um, he was if you can understand there, but not there all my life, right? He was physically there, but not there, you know? Um, and, and he had a lot of struggles in his life that I won't, I won't go into detail. Some of you that know me really well kind of know what was going on. But um, it, the way we came up here was actually my parents were about this close to divorce because of things that were going on. So we moved to Wisconsin. That's how we got here, just so all of you know. We would have never been here, you know, if, if that was okay. But um, my parents needed a change of scenery. They needed to get away from things. So we moved to Wisconsin. 
Uh, my mom does have family here, or did. After I got married, they all left. But when I got married, my mom's family moved to St. Louis, and then my parents moved back down south. So, um, so my mom had family here to just kind of support, you know, and kind of help, whatever. Um, but things were still going on. And uh, as, a, as a young guy, um, when you, we went through our men's class, the first series we went through, um, was talking about things worth fighting for and, and how to be a man. And, you know, I never had anybody teach me that stuff, you know, so that was really real to me. Um, but as a kid, all the dads in here, you guys are needed big time in the development of a young man. You guys are needed. Um, I remember quitting sports because my dad wouldn't come. I remember, you know, like just stuff like that. And um, at a young age, you know, you don't really know what's going on. You just know how it's affecting you emotionally. And it's, it doesn't make you feel very good. And you're hurt because you feel like, you know, I'm not a good enough sports player. So my dad doesn't want to come watch me. I'm not good enough. So he doesn't want to come home at night. You know, like those, those are the kind of things that happen as a young, as a young man and as a kid. Um, but I remember not really knowing how to process things. And when I was 12, 13, 14, please excuse me. I remember falling into things that weren't right. I remember being a different kid at school than I was at church and, you know, that I was at home. I remember going to school and thinking I was cool and cussing and, and, you know, like getting in fights and all this stuff. And my parents didn't even know what was going on, but you know, that was my life. And, and I remember falling into these bad, bad patterns. And, and so we moved up here and things started getting better. You know, my dad was trying, my dad was doing whatever. And, and uh, just so you know, <laughs> my dad knows I'm sharing this story, so I'm not, just so you know. Um, but I, I, it, it, things were better. My parents were doing better. They weren't fighting as much, you know. Um, but then things started falling apart again. And, and those, those temptations that I struggled with, those things that I had already exposed myself to, started trying to come back. And, and just those patterns of, of really bad behavior and, and sin and, and all, this, all this stuff started trying to come back. And what I found out through the process is all of those things that I was struggling with, my dad was struggling with. And, and I, I remember just being a young man trying to get into ministry. I felt the call of God on my life. I felt that I was supposed to preach. I felt like all of these, that God wanted me to do this. And, and, and then I still felt like I wasn't good enough, like that, that my dad wouldn't be proud of me, that, you know, just all of these things. And I remember being so angry, just so mad at the world, that, you know, as a, as a young man, when you see your parents fighting and all of the sons, all the kids in here will know what I'm talking about when I say this, but you always, you, you have a tendency to come to your mom's defense. You know, you see your mom getting, uh, not, not, there was never any physical, there was, you know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't that bad, right? But, but when you see them fighting as a young man trying to find yourself, you have a tendency to kind of 
step in and, 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 and block your mom, right? Like all of the sons will kind of understand that. Um, so that put a wedge between me and my dad. Because for one, I was picking a side, but also I had not forgiven him for anything that had happened between us. So that put a wedge. Can I have um, a couple guys come help me real quick? I just need like, awesome, thank you. Brother Adon, could you come help me real quick? Um, so this is what started to happen. Um, can I have, actually I need one more. Seth, you want to come help me real quick? So this is what started to happen, right? Like um, we're a big happy family. Everything's good. Everything's going all right. Um, when you have unforgiveness with somebody, it puts a wedge between you and that person and you begin to separate, right? So you come, come here real quick. So we're still good. This person's way out here because we got an issue, right? So he's out here. I'm not letting him in. There's a wedge there. Sooner or later though, when you have unforgiveness with this person, you start pushing other people out. You start putting wedges between everybody until you're standing here all alone and there's nobody left. And you put a wedge between whoever you had an issue with, you put a wedge between your friends and your family, you put a wedge between you and God. All from this one issue. Thank you. So there, there's... Please understand, I don't, I don't share this story with everybody. I just really feel like it's important to share. But when I... When I had those issues with my dad, I remember yelling matches. I remember, you know, throwing stuff, being destructive. I remember those things. And I remember also isolating myself. So I want to read a scripture to you real quick. It is Proverbs 18 and 1. I don't think I, I didn't give this to the media because... It, it came to me this morning, but um, this is in the New King James Version. It says, a man who isolates, uh, isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. When, when we isolate ourselves from family, from friends, from church family, from God, I can guarantee you sin, anger, bitterness, destructive behavioral patterns will shortly follow. That's why this says a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. You start going after the things of your flesh because you want something to keep you company. You want something to fill that void, that hurt, that pain that you've experienced and that you're continually allowing yourself to experience. So you start going after your own desires and the things that you want it, and they're not of God. I can tell you that. And you start trying to cram that stuff in your life, but sooner or later you realize that you're still in a cage and there's still no one beside you and it's nobody else's fault but our own. So I got to a point where, 
you know, I was, I was trying to live right, but I, I was, you know, still kind of straggling in the, in the fray. You know, I was trying to get close to God, but I never, I, I didn't feel like I could really get there. I, you know, I was having issues with everybody around me, my friends, my family. You know, we would just argue and fight, and I would be so angry, and, it, and I never knew where that anger was coming from. It was just coming out of me. My mom would tell me to do something, and I'd just get mad and start yelling and you know, and I didn't know what was going on. This was when I was, you know, like 14, 15 years old. And I had no clue what was happening. And I, through my young adult years, my high school years, my, col- my college years, um, you know, there were just issues between me and my dad and, and you know, it, just whatever. I, I'm not going to go into it. But I remember specifically one day in particular that I got down on my knees at the end of my bed, and I said, God, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but how do I do it? And he just said, forgive. And I was like, that's not helpful. What am I supposed to do? I know I'm supposed to forgive, but how do I do it? Forgive. That's all God would tell me. Forgive, forgive, forgive. He never told me how to. He just said, forgive, forgive. And I struggled with that for a long time. And then one day, my dad and I, um, are sitting in the basement and I just looked at him and I said, dad, you have hurt me so bad. You know, and, and I, I just said that this, I, I don't even know how to, explain. I don't have words, but I forgive you. And my dad like just broke down and started crying. I had never seen that man cry before in my life. I, you know, he was always the strong, no emotions, you know, like kind of checked out guy. And he cried and I cried and I felt the power and the love of God the way I'd never have before in my life. Never. One of my friends, I was sharing with him my story and he said, you know what? I have a pretty similar story. He said, my dad was an alcoholic. My dad was you know, used to beat up on my mom. My dad was never there for me. He told me I'd amount to nothing. This was my friend sharing with me. I got his permission to share this too. I'm not going to tell you his name or anything, but he, he said it hurt so bad as a kid. And as a young, young, like I'm talking 13, 12, 13 years old, started getting involved in gangs because, you know, because your dad's not there or checked out, whatever, you start to kind of gravitate towards other men. And there were these men in his neighborhood. He grew up in California in a really bad area. There were these men in his neighborhood that, you know, kind of took him in, but was showing him how to be a man, right? Drugs, like gangs, all kinds of stuff. And after that whole thing, he got out of that and, um, he, he got into church and then he, there were, there were still issues in issues. And he said one time he was sitting in his office. This was when he was in his twenties, thirties, maybe he was sitting in his office at work and he just felt like he needed to call his dad. His dad's in California. He's here. Calls his dad, says, dad, I just want you to know, I love you. I'm proud of you. And I don't hold anything against you. He said, same thing. His dad broke down on the phone, crying and whatever. You know what? Before I even told him the end of my story, 
he said what, what I just said. He felt the love and power of God in a way that he had never felt that before. So, and then he said he was sitting in his office after he got a phone with his dad, and his mom called. His mom's like, what'd you do to your dad? He's like crying, he, you know, whatever. And, and he told her the story, and, and it was, it's, it's just such an amazing thing. The, the reason why I bring that up is because I'm not the only person who's went through that. You're not the only person who has gone through hurt and pain. It's, you know what? Sometimes it seems like it's always from somebody you trust a whole lot or somebody that you love a whole lot. And, and there's something happens or there's, there's some kind of situation that goes on and, and it, it causes like this division between you and that person. We've all been there. We've all gone through it. You know, what's, what's crazy um, is that when you're not willing to forgive, in, in uh, Matthew, in that parable, when it talks about the master turns him over to the tormentors, I just couldn't get this out of my mind, that maybe the tormentors are the anger, the pain, the bitterness, the sinful patterns that rise up in our life. Maybe that's the tormentors because those are the things that continually hurt that continually bring sin and destruction into our life. Maybe that's really what Jesus was getting at too, is that when we're not willing to forget these patterns, these emotions will always be there until the debt is paid. The anger, the pain will always be there until forgiveness comes. That's why there's freedom in forgiveness. It's not necessarily for the other person. It's for us because what happens when we don't forgive or we're not willing to forgive somebody, you see that cage there? We put ourselves in that cage and we lock the door and throw away the key and we isolate ourselves from everybody that wants to help and wants to be there for us, but we're not willing to let anybody in. We become selfish and, and we forsake the relationships that, and the people that we could impact to protect ourselves. So, you know, I want to read a, a, couple, a couple more scriptures. Um, I want to read James 4 and 17. James 4 and 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. I knew I was supposed to forgive, but I wasn't willing to. That my friends, is a sin. This is how unforgiveness is, is, is a sin because we know that God told us to do it and if we're not willing to, that becomes a roadblock in our life, a major roadblock. Ephesians 4, 26 through 32. Ephesians 4, 26 through 32 says, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It's okay to be angry. Anger is a natural emotion. But what happens in verse 27, neither give place to the devil. When you're angry with somebody and it's, I don't know, I guess I don't know how to explain this. When you're, when you're angry, it's okay. When you're angry and unforgiving, you're giving place to the devil. You're allowing the enemy, the person who wants to kill our soul, we are allowing him into our life. 
when we hold grudges and when we hold unforgiveness. It's not a sin to be angry. It's a sin to, uh, to not forgive somebody. So neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Isn't it interesting when we have an issue with somebody, the first thing we do is just yell and talk bad about them. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of repentance. Did you know that when there's unforgiveness in our heart, we are grieving the Holy Spirit? We grieve God himself because he's the master. He forgave us a huge debt that we couldn't pay. And when we're not willing to forgive that fraction, that minuscule issue that's going on between me and somebody else, it grieves God. It makes him sad because he has forgiven us for so much. Why are we unwilling to forgive people for so little? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And then verse 32. So before I get there, verse 31 is giving us a list of things that happen when there's unforgiveness in our life. Bitterness, wrath and anger, clamor and evil speaking. But verse 32, and be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Then Colossians 3 and 8 and then verses 12 through 15 I don't think I gave 15 to you guys I'm sorry but Colossians 3 and 8 says but now ye also put off all things all these anger wrath malice blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth doesn't that sound really similar to what was just uh what what was just brought up in Ephesians And then skipping down to verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave, uh, forgave you, so also do ye. Verse 14, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of uh, perfectness. And, um, Verse 15, this was a really interesting scripture. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Peace comes through forgiveness. Peace comes through forgiveness. Matthew, I know I'm just blasting off these scriptures, but these, these are just ones that in my own life have, have really helped me with this whole topic of forgiveness. So Matthew six fourteen and 15, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness is not an easy topic. God never said anything was going to be easy. Nothing in this life anyways. Forgiveness is, is difficult because the world and our flesh and, and society that we live in will tell you, you know, 
when I ta- told my story to s- certain people, they said, you know what? You have every right to just hate him for the rest of your life. That's the way the world thinks. That's the way our flesh thinks. That when we're wronged, we have every right to hate. Doesn't that, that's so backwards to us because all throughout the Bible, there's forgiveness. All throughout the Bible, we see God forgiving. Even in the Old Testament, we see God forgiving forgiving, and, and just statutes where we're supposed to forgive other people. It's so backwards to us, but that's the way people think. We should never allow forgiveness to creep into our hearts, ever, never. Or unforgiveness, I'm sorry, thank you. I have it written down as unforgiveness. I just misspoke, I'm sorry. But in order, what's, what's really powerful is that in order for God to forgive us, we have to forgive others. God can't forgive when we're unwilling to forgive. That's backwards, right? We have to forgive because God forgave us. You know, there was, um, I told pastor this just phrase that, um, God gave me while I was preparing for this is, um, and it's, it's a really, you know, people say forgive and forget. That's impossible. You cannot forgive and forget. You can't forget. I'll never forget what I went through. Never. Even psychology will show you when you go through a traumatic experience, you can't forget it. Like you won't. It's very unlikely for you to forget it unless, you know, you block it out or whatever. But, but we, when people have hurt, how many of you can remember when somebody hurt you? Everybody. Forgive and forget is not a realistic phrase. What God told me, forgive what you can't forget. Because we can't ever forget it. And we have to live in a constant state of forgiveness. Every time those thoughts, those emotions come back, every time the hurt starts to come back, we have to forgive again. Every time I think about the pain I went through, every time I think about the, the issues that went on, I have to forgive again. Just like we all do. We have to forgive what we can't forget. Because there are just certain hurts and certain pains that will always leave a scar. They'll always be there, but it's up to us whether or not to let it affect the way we live. It's up to us whether or not to let those hurts heal. Because if we, if we carry around unforgiveness, we're just allowing that, that wound, that pain to stay open, to not heal, to, to fester into infection. And then bitterness infects our body. And then we start to separate ourselves from everybody. And then we start not coming to church anymore. And we start losing faith in leadership. We start losing faith in God. We start losing faith in our friends and our family until we're so bitter, nobody wants to be around us anyways. And we end up alone wishing that we just had somebody to comfort us. I don't know about you, but that's where I was at at a very, very, very young age. And I don't wish that upon anybody because that's such a scary feeling to be completely isolated, nobody around you, in the dark, and lose your faith in what God can do. That is a scary, scary place to be in. So if there's anything, if I could 
you know, make a call to action or whatever. You know, they call that a call to action phrase in public speaking. Forgive people. If there's anything going on right now, not necessarily in here, right? But if there's anything going on right now in our hearts, I would urge you to forgive whatever it is. I don't, I don't know any of, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know most of your stories. I don't know most of what's, what's going on. And, it, but if I could just urge you, please forgive because it might still feel like hurt right now, but eventually bitterness and anger and wrath and doubting and unfaithfulness is going to creep in. It will happen. The Bible says it will happen. So please forgive. Amen. Is that okay? Is that okay? That's, it's, it's such a hard topic to talk about because our, our world has a different viewpoint on that. Our world has a different viewpoint on forgiveness. But, you know, I'm going to um, just kind of bring it to a close if uh, whoever wants to come help me. Um, if we could all stand and close our eyes. Am I doing okay on time? Yeah. You know, it's very difficult. I That was really the brief, you know, portion. I struggled with that a long time, a long time. And it was, it was a lot of wasted time, to be honest with you. When you're not willing to forgive, it's just wasted time. Because there are things that, that we could have been doing for the kingdom of God that because of this bitterness and this anger and whatever, it was just wasted time. I, th- I think about, um, you know, all of the... So when sin comes up in our life, it, it seems like a common occurrence with sin is pride and selfishness, right? Would you agree? Not all, but it seems like pride and selfishness seem to be some of the major causes of what we what we do and how we sin, right? If I could boil it down to one thing, that would be hard to do, but unforgiveness ultimately, to me anyways, comes from a selfish place. It comes from a place of, I'm willing to sacrifice my relationship with you so that I can protect myself. That's not the way Jesus lived on this earth. That's not the way God has asked us to live. God has not told us to keep an arm's length policy with everybody. We're not supposed to push people away. We're not supposed to withdraw into a cage and not let anybody into that cage. And it's just us. And we're not supposed to do that. But when we're not willing to forgive, that's what we're doing. And to me, in my life, I can look back and say, I was selfish. I did a lot of things wrong too. There were a lot of words that I said that I'll never be able to take back. There are a lot of things that I did that I'll never be able to take back. And to me, sure, I feel like in the beginning as a young man, it was wrong. You know, just the whole relationship was wrong. It wasn't godly. It was painful. It was, you know, and that when we went through that men's class, it seemed like that was such a common thing. Men, young men growing up without dads. It seems like that was such a common thing. 
and it's so dangerous. But looking back, I can definitely say that I was selfish because I wasn't willing to forgive what happened. And I was willing to withdraw and not let anybody in just to protect my heart. So I don't know, that wasn't in my notes. I don't know why I said that, but um, I just want, like I said, this is a heavy subject. I just wonder if we could all come down as a family, join together down here at the altar. And if we could all just close our eyes, nobody looking around, nobody, you know, no wandering eyes. We're just, we're a family. If we could all just close our eyes and examine our own heart and just ask yourself, is there any unforgiveness in me? Is there any area that I have not forgiven somebody or I have not asked for forgiveness? Could we do that? Is that okay? Can we just examine, take a moment to examine our hearts? You know, the Bible also says, I didn't read this scripture, but the Bible also says that if we're to come down to the altar and offer a sacrifice to God, but we haven't forgiven our brother, leave your sacrifice, make it right, come back. So it's very important that we constantly self-examine and we constantly look inside to see if there's any faults or any areas that we've overlooked. You know, because it's, it's this is such a hard thing to do, but we're all children of God. We're all, we all have, you know, God's on our team. God's, God's there for us. And, and you know, it, he's, he's more than able to take all of the pain. He's more than able to take all of the doubt, all of the guilt. He's way more. He died on the cross, on that cross, so that we could be covered and so that we could be free. And that same freedom is experienced in forgiveness. When we forgive somebody, I'm telling you, you will feel, if you, you probably know what I'm talking about. Most of you have probably had a forgiveness experience with somebody who hurt you really bad or vice versa. And you can feel the love and power of God in such a magnificent way. So, you know, if, if there's anything in our hearts, if we're harboring any kind of unforgiveness, I just ask that, that we would, be open and willing to make it right. Amen. Because Christ died for us. He forgave us, so we should be willing to forgive others. Right? Can we all close our eyes and just lift our hands? Jesus, we thank you so much for all that you do. You're such a wonderful, magnificent God. You've brought us through so many difficult times. You've always been there. Even when it seems like we're all alone, you've always been right there with us. Jesus, I'm asking that you would search our hearts today. If there's any unforgiveness, if there's any bitterness, or if there's any selfishness or pride in my heart, I pray, God, that you would reveal it to me, that you would show me the chambers, the secret chambers of my heart that I've, ki- that I've kept closed or that I've closed off to you, Jesus. We just want you to have everything. We want you to have our whole heart. So, God, if you could reveal that to us, if if we have already forgiven, if, if we've already gone through that process, if we've already experienced that freedom that comes with forgiveness, I thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to experience that. I thank you for the power, the anointing that we feel when we forgive people because you forgave us for so much. It is not a great ask of you 
for us to forgive. So Jesus, I just pray that we would all be willing to forgive at all times and live in a state of forgiveness. In Jesus' name.